This is the mop-up for August 17th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. I got a lot to go over. I am convinced this morning that Donald Trump is not going to get the Republican nomination. And once he's politically radioactive, those four criminal trials coming up next year are going to put him away for life. This is what I believe, at least this morning. As I go over uh, the past 48 hours with you, try to keep this in mind. Try to keep this in mind. Trump has no money. No money in his personal bank account and no campaign money. It's all going out the door to lawyers and the Russian mobsters he owes money to. Everyone who's indicted on Monday evening in Georgia is going to flip. He will be the only one on trial in Georgia. And as they flip, it will be drip, 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 flip, 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 because they all won't flip at once. As the news cycle keeps going each week, Meadows will flip, Rudy Giuliani will flip, Sidney Powell will flip down in Georgia. And as we go into Iowa early next year, it will be death for Donald Trump by a thousand cuts. Drip, 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 flip, flip, flip. There's a distinct possibility. Don't pay attention to the polling right now. He lost Iowa in 2016. He lost Iowa. Ted Cruz won Iowa and Donald Trump Scream fraud at the polls in Iowa. Chris Christie is now in second place in New Hampshire. Now, Trump has a, a, a triple digit lead in New Hampshire, but the debate is later this month and Christie is going to destroy Trump, whether Trump shows up or not. The problem Trump is up against is Chris Christie could get the nomination He's an East, Eastern establishment, old school Republican. A lot of people would like to see Chris Christie get the nomination. He's a former U.S. attorney. He's going to grill Donald Trump during the debate, ask him incriminating questions during the debate, whether Trump is there or not. And Trump has a serious problem. He's got four criminal trials coming up. Everything Everything he says that makes his voters love him will be incriminating. Whatever he says on the campaign trail will incriminate him in those four trials. Whatever he says to get those imbeciles cheering for him, that will be used as evidence against him in a court of law. He continues to say there was voter fraud in Georgia. Now, every time he says that, he incriminates himself. His poll numbers are down nationwide in terms of uh, not among the Republicans. He's doing fine among the imbeciles who are Republicans. But nationwide, his approval rating is now in the mid 30s. It's the lowest it's been in years for him. So, yes, the Republicans still love Trump. What's left of those Republicans but who knows if they even show up on Election Day? The crowds are getting thinner. Not I already said that the people who show up aren't getting thinner, but the number of people is getting thinner. And he's been indicted four times. He's going to be arrested for a fourth time 
and there was no rioting in the streets. The bikers he warned us about never showed up. You know, he said, if you indict me, it's going to tear this country apart. But you know what? Crickets. Crickets, just like all the food served at Mar-a-Lago, has crickets and roaches in it. He has no money. He can't afford a ground game. He has no personal money. And all his campaign money is going out the door. Who knows where? I'm going to talk about that. Nobody knows where the hundreds of millions of dollars he's raised as a, as a candidate since he left office. Nobody knows where it's gone. It can't all go to lawyers. Where is it going? You know, he needs he needs money. He needs money for a ground game and he needs money to give to other candidates who are running down ballot. And he needs to take out advertising in the past, or at least in 2016, he could rely on free publicity. He was an unknown quantity. Well, now the only publicity, the only free publicity Donald Trump is getting will be today another co-defendant in Georgia flipped. He's going to lose. So I understand that the latest tranche tranche of indictments coming out of Georgia are somewhat overwhelming, and it's a little hard to wrap your arms around it. Now, with the OJ trial, it was black and white, literally. It was murder. And so it was a simple crime. Did he or did he not? Fonnie Willis is undertaking a breathtaking and bold RICO prosecution where she literally throws the book at Donald Trump. Literally, if you read the January, well, not literally, but if you read the January 6th committee's final report, it literally is a book and she is throwing it right at Donald Trump's face. She's charging him essentially with everything that's in the January 6th report, except inciting an insurrection on January 6th. So in attempting to comprehend the gravity of the crimes outlined in her 41 count indictment, listing nearly 200 criminal acts, you need to distill it all down to a simple question. The trial is as simple as murder, rape, or bribery, because it asks one fundamental question, and that question is this. After all the people of Georgia have been through, white and black, rich and poor, after all they've been through in deciding who should be allowed to vote, what hoops people of color, poor people must jump through in order to cast their ballot, after all the blood spilled in the 60s to register black voters in Georgia, after all the hours black voters, poor voters in Georgia must wait every two years in order to cast their legal ballot. The question is, after all that, does that ballot, does that person who cast that ballot possess a constitutional right to have their vote counted. It's just that simple. This is a fundamental question. 
just like did O.J. kill Nicole. Do the people of Georgia, white or black, poor or rich, have the right not just to vote, but to have that vote counted? And if you believe that they do possess that right, then you can grasp the breathtaking scope of the crimes Donald Trump oversaw in this criminal enterprise. This is a series of crimes in Georgia, not just against the voters, but it is a crime against the very essence of democracy. Donald Trump has 18 co-defendants. And Fonnie Willis claims she wants to try all of them at the same time. But is that really her plan? I don't think so. Why do I believe she's bluffing? Because by the time the trial starts, she's hoping, I think, her list of co-defendants will be whittled down to just one. Donald J. Trump. RICO laws in Georgia, from what I understand, provide prosecutors plenty of leeway to go big with the initial indictments. And then as the trial date approaches, the prosecutors can start picking off the co-defendants one by one, get them to flip, to rat out the guy at the top. From what I've been reading, RICO prosecutions in Georgia provide a lot of tools to the prosecutor to get the guy at the top by indicting at first more people than might be necessary and then getting them all to flip. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't think we're going to see 19 defendants crammed into that courtroom once the trial starts. I think it's going to be a very lonely place with just one defendant, Donald J. Trump, much lonelier than we can imagine. Trump right now is seemingly at the top of his game politically. Statistically, he cannot poll any higher. He can't go any higher. There's a debate coming up. Chris Christie, as I mentioned, is a former U.S. prosecutor and Trump during those debates, whether he's there or not, is going to have a lot of questions that he has to have answered on that debate stage. And if he chooses to answer them, either on the debate stage or on the campaign trail, he is going to say everything that comes out of his mouth will be used against him. Everything. So he's got to watch what he says. Yes, his poll numbers are astronomically high, but only in the Republican Party. As I said, he's got a, an approval rating in the mid-30s. You know, George Herbert Walker Bush had a 91% approval rating back in 1991 after he supposedly won the war in Iraq. That was 1991 91% approval rating. By November of 92, Bill Clinton was the president-elect. Things change very quickly. When it comes to the polls, Donald Trump has only one way to go, and that's down. And remember, 
He lost Iowa in 2016. There's no guarantee that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And when his co-defendants start flipping, and I, I believe, at least this morning, that they all will, those are going to be major, major headlines. Okay? And it's going to cut his polling it's going to shred his numbers, his polling numbers. We already know his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, flipped for special counsel Jack Smith. Right now, Mark Meadows is one of the co-defendants down in Georgia. He didn't get indicted in Washington, D.C. two weeks ago. We all know it's received wisdom that Mark Meadows flipped, saved his ass, ratted Trump out. For Jack Smith, there were six co-conspirators and Mark Meadows wasn't mentioned. Everybody knows he flipped and ratted Trump out to the feds. He's going to flip in Georgia. And that's huge. Mark Meadow flips and he will. How many Republican voters are going to think, hmm, interesting, I suspect Madam D.A., that's her nickname, Phony Willis, they, they call her Madam D.A. If you're a fan of hers, you call her Madam D.A. I suspect Madam D.A. will get most of the defendants to flip and sooner than you think, like before Iowa. And the ones who don't flip, she'll defer prosecution on them until after the presidential election. Special Counsel Jack Smith two weeks ago named six co-conspirators, but he held off indicting any of them because the electoral calendar is hanging over his head. You must get Trump now. Everyone else can wait. And the same, I think, applies in Georgia. This indictment looks big because RICO indictments are always big, especially in Georgia. A criminal enterprise means there are a lot of people involved. But as we approach the trial date, I believe, and I'm usually wrong, although maybe not lately, I believe we will see a much smaller list of defendants, a list of one, Donald Trump. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but I really believe, at least this morning, he's completely done. You know, this big promise he made right after Monday night's indictment, he's he's going to put out a 100 page report on voter fraud in Georgia next Monday. Big press conference planned. He's losing it. I mean, he's lo he's already lost his mind. But now it's really this is just out of control. He He's announced a press conference at his Bedminster golf course next Monday to unveil a 100-page report exposing voter fraud in Georgia. That, in and of itself, is incriminating. Just the announcement itself will be used against him. And I said this yesterday. Donald Trump's failure to produce this report, because he will not produce this report, his failure to hold that press conference, I doubt he will hold that press conference on Monday. His lawyers will all quit if he holds that press conference on Monday. And that will serve 
as further evidence that he knowingly lied about voter fraud, right? This 100-page report isn't even prepared by lawyers or Bernard Carrick. It's being prepared by some lowly public relations assistant who who's just been really paid to keep him company since he left office. She's the one you hear on tape when Trump is showing the classified war plans to Mark Meadows' ghostwriters, right? She's preparing the report that proves there was voter fraud in Georgia. So he's not going to hold that press conference on Monday, and that's going to be really bad. In the court of public opinion, it's going to look bad. And in the courts in Georgia and Washington, D.C. and Miami, Chris Christie is going to crucify Donald Trump for this at the debate. Whether Trump shows up or not, Trump is going down. This press conference he announced for Monday may may be the dumbest thing he's ever done. Because it's going to show criminal intent. It's going to prove he didn't have a shred of evidence of election fraud in Georgia. So Georgia's Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, who on Monday secured a 41-count indictment charging Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants with election interference, as well as racketeering, she is now officially asking that the trial start on March 4th of 2024. And as I said, she'll get that court date because everybody will have flipped. It'll just be Donald Trump. All those other co-defendants will have evaporated. Now, one of the people indicted Monday night who should flip immediately is the alcoholic, racist, and from the latest sexual harassment lawsuit, potential rapist, Rudy Giuliani. CNN reported Wednesday night that a desperate Rudy Giuliani has made several trips down to Mar-a-Lago this year, essentially begging Donald Trump to pay his legal fees, and Trump has refused. Not smart, not a smart mob boss. Uh, When you're not paying the legal fees of your capos, not smart. So all the work that Rudy has done for, you know, two and a half years running around screaming voter fraud, for all that work, all the travel since Election Day 2020, all he's been paid is $340,000. Not by Trump, personally, because Trump has no money. Rudy was paid by Trump's Save America PAC, which has blown through its entire war chest, paying Trump's legal fees, as well as the legal fees for Trump's immediate associates, so long as they don't flip. Now, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, follow the legal fees, Follow the legal fees. How is it possible that Donald Trump's legal fees are hundreds of millions of dollars? How is that possible? Lawyers are pigs, but are they? Rudy, by the way, all out of money, all out of money. His 
$6.5 million apartment is up for sale. But who knows how much of that he actually owns? How many loans has Rudy taken out using that apartment as collateral? He's not going to get $6.5 million when he sells it. I suspect he's already hocked the apartment and he can't afford the maintenance each month. I think that's why he's selling it. He has no money. He is, has zero money. He's a knockdown, drag out alcoholic. And who knows what else he's ingesting? There is so much noise going on inside Ru- Rudy Giuliani's head, and, and he's pushing 80. And he's looking at spending the rest of his pathetic, Viagra chomping life in prison. He's going to flip. He has no, his lawyers are going to say, we can't, you know, we're, this, you're not a charity case, Rudy. Either get a public defender or flip. Giuliani is reportedly so broke. He has so many lawsuits. He's so broke, he can't pay his attorney fees for the Xeroxing of evidence during the discovery phase of all those defamation and sexual harassment lawsuits. He can't even pay for the the Xeroxing for the discovery. You know, I would feel sorry for Rudy Giuliani, but he's a racist. Rudy is a racist who almost got those two African-American poll workers in Georgia, that mother and daughter. He almost got them killed. And he admitted he lied in their defamation suit against him. And he's going to pay them 90 grand just to cover their court costs. Uh, His racism as mayor of New York City got black people killed by the police or broom handles shoved up their rectum. I'm not joking. Google the phrase, it's Giuliani time. That's what the cops in New York City felt free to shout when he was mayor right before they took out their frustration on some black people. It's hard to feel sorry for Rudy. He deserves to rot in a prison cell for the harm he's caused to our democracy, the city of New York, and to African-Americans, not just not just in New York City. He's a stupid incompetent, racist. But he will flip. He will flip. So he won't get what he truly deserves, and that is to rot away for the rest of his life in a prison cell. He's going to flip because what choice does Rudy Giuliani have? He's going to be 80. CNBC reported on Wednesday that it's not just Rudy who has no choice but to flip when it comes to money. According to CNBC, Rudy's former police commissioner, Bernard Carrick, who ended up going to prison and had to be pardoned by Trump, Bernard Carrick, the worst of the worst, the worst of the worst, Bernard Carrick, the former police commissioner of New York City, was using an apartment that was uh, set up for first responders at Ground Zero. Everybody was working around the clock, going through the rubble at Ground Zero. So they, they got an apartment for the, the, the first responders to, to take naps, shower, 
Bernard Carrick, police commissioner, used it as his personal love nest. He kept first responders waiting so he could cheat on his wife. He ended up going to prison for, I believe it was tax evasion. Uh, Bad, bad, bad guy. And I believe the genius George W. Bush, right before Carrick had to go away, I think he was going to be like the viceroy in Iraq or something. He was going to be given some top job in Iraq because he was Mr. 9-11. Bernard Carrick and Rudy, the genius Rudy Giuliani. One of my listeners pointed out that I forgot to mention that Rudy Giuliani was told, don't put your command center, your emergency command center inside the World Trade Center. That's the number one target for terrorists. He didn't listen. He put the command center inside the World Trade Center. And that's why nobody was able to communicate when the towers came down. That was Rudy's best day. Thank you to one of my listeners for reminding me of that. Anyway, Bernard Carrick, who was pardoned by Donald Trump, was hired by Rudy back in 2020 to go out and help Rudy, quote unquote, find evidence of voter fraud. You want to find evidence of voter fraud? You bring in a New York City police commissioner to plant that evidence. That's what a police commissioner in New York City is an expert on. Don't worry. You want you want evidence of voter fraud? I can plant some. I got a green thumb. Green from all the money I take on the side. So CNBC reports that Bernard Carrick was dragged before special counsel Jack Smith's Washington, D.C. grand jury and was forced to answer questions about Donald Trump's Save America PAC, the Save America PAC. This is, seems to be the... Uh, the, the how he pays all his legal fees for himself and the associates who won't rat him out. According to CNBC, Bernard Carrick told Jack Smith that the Save America PAC, I double checked this. The Save America PAC raised $250 million in the days, the days immediately following the 2020 presidential election. Donald Trump, through the Save America PAC, raised $250 million in just a few days, maybe two weeks. The money was raised by Donald Trump. He asked his imbecile supporters to send him money to help him fight Joe Biden from stealing the 2020 election. This is wire fraud, by the way. You, you cannot solicit donations based on a lie. You cannot use the Internet to solicit $250 million lying about voter fraud. It's wire fraud. The uh, the money was raised entirely by spreading false claims of voter fraud. There's a lot of money in lying about the election. Massive windfall, $250 million all before January 6th happened. Where did the money go? Bernard Carrick wants to know. Jack Smith wants to know. Again, I'm not talking about the millions and millions of dollars that this PAC raised after January 6th. I'm talking about the $250 million raised between Election Day 2020 
and January 6, 2021. It was raised to help Donald Trump stop Joe Biden from stealing the election from us. $250 million. Who got it? Who got it? Not the lawyers who were traveling around the country proving voter fraud. Not Rudy. Rudy didn't get it. Bernard Carrick didn't get it. Bernard Carrick was running around with Rudy, planting evidence of voter fraud. They didn't get paid. $250 million raised to pay Bernard Carrick, right? No money for him. No money for Rudy. According to Bernard Carrick, Rudy got paid nothing. Nothing. He eventually got reimbursed for his travel expenses. I think that's what what, what, would we say earlier, $350,000? I mean, that's what he spends on scotch alone at the Mark Hotel for a night. Uh, But not a penny of that $250 million went to Rudy, Rudy's salary. He, he allegedly charges $20,000 a day. If you want to hire Rudy to spread lies about Hunter Biden or Burisma or election fraud, he claims to charge $20,000 a day. Incredibly enough, incredibly enough, CNBC says it's not just Rudy. And this is why I really believe Donald Trump is going to prison. Okay? I read this this morning on the CNBC website, and I thought, oh, he's going to prison. It's over. CNBC says it appears that all the lawyers who were indicted on Monday night. (laughs) I'm sorry. This makes me so happy. This makes me so happy because I really, really, uh, I love these people. I do. They're good people and I'm praying for them. I'm not telling you what I'm praying for what I want to happen to them. No, they're they're good. Uh, Jenna Ellis is a good Christian. She's a professional Christian. We've talked about her. These are good people. Good, all of them are good people. All the lawyers who were indicted on Monday night were never paid for their services. The work they did for Donald Trump was all pro bono. They didn't know it was going to be pro bono, but it was pro bono. And yet Trump raised $250 million precisely to uh, pay them to Prove voter fraud. Sydney Powell, uh, there you can see some of them up there on the screen. Sydney Powell, John Eastman, Jenna Ellis, Kenneth Cheesebro, and Rudy, all indicted Monday night, and they put in endless hours. These brilliant lawyers, by the way, they put in endless hours writing memos or running around America to the battleground states testifying perjuring themselves before state legislatures, coercing government officials to violate their oaths of office. They were busy forging documents for the phony elector scheme. They were making uh, false statements in official settings 
which is against the law, spreading lies. And for all that, they never got a single penny. They found out what their soul was worth. They found out Donald Trump told them what their soul was worth. Not a single penny. These are monsters. These lawyers are monsters. When you, you know, I always do research on their personal lives because you can't understand what people are capable of legally or politically until you find out how they treat people one on one. Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump. Well, we know Donald Trump is a rapist. That's a fact. Judge Kaplan has put that into writing twice. I've talked about that. And it looks like Rudy is going to be proven to be a rapist. These are not human beings. These are not these are not normal human beings. They are monsters. If it's true that Rudy Giuliani is a rapist, then the things he said about that mother and daughter, the, the African-American mother, the mothers and daughters who were worked the polls, the poll workers in Georgia, the lies, the implications that they were racketeers and thugs and drug addicts. If you're a rapist, calling two black women thugs is nothing. That's that's the least of the horrible things that Rudy Giuliani has done. These are monsters and they're stupid because evil people are stupid. Evil people are stupid. Never forget that. Evil people are stupid. John Eastman, Kenneth Cheesebro with his Harvard Law School degree, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani. They're stupid and they are in desperate need of a pill that is not Viagra. Rudy's taken the wrong pill. He's chomping on Viagra and washing it down with bourbon. There are other pills that could help you, Rudy. Trump raised $250 million in the weeks after, right after the 2020 election. Special counsel Jack Smith wants to know who got it. Because Trump isn't paying any of the lawyers who destroyed their reputations and what's left of their lives. And they've ended up getting indicted. And it, this is the really fun part for me. OK, I like to see bullies and sadists suffer. I, I do. I, I would like to hold a magnifying glass over them in the sun. Uh, and that's why I, I, I enjoy this. He is not paying their legal fees right now. Donald Trump is not paying his lawyer's legal fees. He's not paying John Eastman's legal fees. He's not paying Jenna Ellis's legal fees or Rudy's, Sidney Powell's. They all got indicted. He ain't paying their legal fees and they're broke. They're broke. So you tell me. How long Monday night's list of co-defendants is going to be when this goes to trial? They have no choice. They are out of options. They're going to flip. How could they not? 
Why would they ever show loyalty to the man at the top of this criminal enterprise when he shows zero loyalty to them? Monday night's indictments, just like the special counsel's indictments on August 1st, right? August 1st in Washington, D.C., both sets of indictments are an indictment of the entire legal profession. Eight of the 19 charged on Monday, lawyers. Eight of the 19 charged on Monday, lawyers. I wish Professor Mike Steinell would write a song where the chorus is eight of the 19 charged on Monday, lawyers. The federal indictments from August 1st listed six co-conspirators, five of whom we are absolutely certain are lawyers. And if the sixth co-conspirator is Boris Epstein, then all six are lawyers. And their new defense, the lawyer's new defense, seems to be, it seems to be emerging. Uh, Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman Their new defense after being indicted Monday night is they are innocent and they are being indicted just for being good lawyers. The term they're using is aggressively representing their clients, aggressively representing their clients. That's their defense. Now, it's going to that defense holds up on Fox News, not before a bar association and not before a jury, aggressively representing their clients. After his indictment on Monday, John Eastman issued a statement in which he said, quote, lawyers everywhere should be sleepless over this latest stunt to criminalize their advocacy. This is a legal cluster bomb that leaves unexploded ordinances for lawyers to navigate in perpetuity, unquote. Good writing. Nobody ever said John Eastman wasn't creative. After all, he did dream up that phony elector scheme. Those memos were well written. He's good. He's a he's good at being a bad lawyer. Look, a lawyer And we seem to have lost the narrative here. The legal profession comprised mostly of scumbags. You know, I know lawyers get I get angry letters from lawyers and then they bill me for the letters. You know, not all lawyers are scumbags. Yeah, they are. They are. You know, if they're not a scumbag to me, they're a scumbag to somebody. They're very they're very few bill counselors in the world. Uh, The job of a lawyer is to defend his client, not manufacture evidence. That's against the law. A a lawyer doesn't write memos that misrepresent the 12th Amendment and the Electoral Count Act. That's not that's not lawyering. John Eastman wasn't an aggressively protective lawyer. He was just a bad, dishonest lawyer. You don't write memos filled with lies, half-truths, illegalities. You don't write memos that acknowledge what you're recommending is against the law. I read you some of the memos yesterday that he sent to Mike Pence 
where he acknowledges, yes, this is a little against the law. Uh, you don't do that for your client, Donald Trump, so that he can have some kind of legal cover for when he bullies Mike Pence into violating his oath of office. John Eastman provided legal cover in his memos for for Donald Trump to bully Mike Pence and insist that as vice president, he has the right not to certify on January 6th. That's what John Eastman did. That's not aggressive lawyering. That's criminal. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Jenna Ellis, she's uh, Colorado, you know, Christian, abortion rights, no same-sex marriage, don't bake the cake for the gays, you know, the good Christian, the professional Christian. Uh, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, professional Christian Jenna Ellis, one of the lawyers indicted Monday night, she accused the Fulton County District Attorney of criminalizing the practice of law. You've actually criminalized Christianity, Jenna Ellis. Nobody's criminalizing the practice of law. You are criminalizing Christianity. Rudy Giuliani on his live stream, which took place Monday night in real time while the indictments were being handed down. He was so nervous. He was blinking and fidgeting. Instead of YouTube, he should have been on Twitch. Hang on. Why isn't that working? Oh, hang on. Instead of YouTube, he should have been on Twitch. <laughs> Uh, you should look, you should go to YouTube and watch Rudy Monday night. What, he's trying to do his live stream and in the corner of his twitching eye, he's trying to see whether or not he's indicted. And then when he's indicted, he goes, this is, they're declaring war on democracy. You know, it's always, it's never about him. It's about the American people are under attack. No, Rudy, uh, alcoholics who are racist are under attack. He, when he got when he found out that he had been indicted, he proclaimed his indictment was an attack on all lawyers. No, just bad ones. He insisted, all I'm guilty of is protecting my client. No, you're guilty of inciting an insurrection on January 6th by telling an armed mob, let's... <laughs> have trial by combat. That's what you said to uh, 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 an armed group on January 6th. Well, what do John Eastman, Jenna Ellis, and Rudy Giuliani all have in common? All three of them have been disciplined or face disciplinary procedures before their respective bar associations specifically, specifically for the roles they played on January 6th. In other words, the legal profession has turned on them. That's how horrible they are. Even the legal profession is disgusted by Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, and Kenneth Cheesebro. 
you have any idea how hard it is to make a sewer rat repulsed by another sewer rat? They, they have actually re, they have disgusted lawyers. That's how bad they are as lawyers. That's how that's how dishonest Trump's lawyers are. Even lawyers are disgusted by them. John Eastman's California disbarment hearings are going on right now. Why is he being disbarred or the trying to disbar him for the memos he wrote that led up to January 6? Rudy Giuliani's law license has been suspended in both Washington, D.C. and New York with high ranking members of both bars urging that he be stripped of his licenses immediately specifically because of January 6. Jenna Ellis, professional Christian, was sanctioned in Colorado by that state's disciplinary board for the role she played on January 6. During the hearings, the professional Christian, who opposes same-sex marriage and abortion, uh, during the hearings... During her disciplinary hearing, she admitted that, yes, I lied about election fraud. And then when she was no longer under oath, she told the media that she didn't say that she lied under uh, that, that she she told she lied and said, no, I didn't tell the judge that I had lied. But she was sanctioned by the Colorado by Colorado legal authorities. So so no, this isn't. Aggressive lawyering. It's white lawyers. And except for Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. White male lawyers. And even Sidney Powell has a man's first name. This is uh, not aggressive lawyering. It's white lawyers who have fallen headfirst into the shallow end of the pool with no water in it. That's where their brains are at. This trial in Georgia is about race. And it's most egregious subset, white privilege, especially white male privilege. Now, we're supposed to be colorblind in America, but the only people who believe that are incompetent, lazy white men who want to keep the old boys club going Because the old boys are too lazy, too white, and too incompetent to recognize each other's stupidity. They are all stupid, which is why they find a home on Newsmax, Fox, and the Trump administration. Fawny Willis, on the other hand, is an African-American female. According to a study... Uh, conducted in 2019 by the Reflect Democracy Campaign. I'm sorry, Respect Democracy Campaign. According to a study conducted in 2019 by the Respect Democracy Campaign, 2% of the 2,400 elected prosecutors in America are black women. There are some prosecutors who are appointed, but 2,400 prosecutors in America throughout the states are elected. And of those 2,400, 2% 
in 2019, 2% are black women. Now, I suspect it's a little higher since Black Lives Matter in 2020 ushered in a wave of minority prosecutors like Fonnie Willis. I talked about that yesterday. Fonnie Willis was just elected. Uh, she started her term January 1st, 2021. She rode the wave of Black Lives Matter politics. It wasn't until two months ago that America finally... Oh, if you live in Florida, you're not allowed to see this. Uh, uh, there's going to be some critical race here. So you're, you're not allowed to know this in Florida. I think uh, Governor DeSantis has passed a law that says that if you listen to anybody talking about critical race, you will be rounded up and placed in a re-education camp. So you've been forewarned. You're not allowed to listen to this. Turn this off immediately. This entire state of Florida, you have to turn this off right now. It wasn't until two months ago that America finally had a black female sitting on the Supreme Court. Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson became the first black female Supreme Court justice in American history in June of this year. Again, if you're I just said something, if you heard it in Florida. Uh, report to your nearest reeducation camp. You're not allowed to know this. You're not allowed to know that in America's, what, 250-year history? It wasn't until June of this year that we got a black woman on the Supreme Court. Americans would be well advised to start making sure black women are overrepresented in our criminal justice system. And I don't mean behind bars. We all know it is settled law that America's criminal justice system is a failure, perhaps the worst in the world. When you have 2.5 million Americans behind bars, that's more per capita and more just in numbers than any other country in the world, and they're disproportionately people of color and all poor, all poor. And nobody can answer this question for me. How many? Yes, I steal pens from Chase, by the way. That's hey, it's the that's my revolutionary act. There, there are all these Chase banks all over New York. So whenever I go for a walk, I go in and steal a pen. Uh, not exactly a weatherman, but uh, I got a lot of pens from Chase. Uh, what was I talking about? I have no idea. Let me look at my notes. Uh, our criminal justice system is a disgrace. It's the worst. I would say it's the worst in the world. If we have 2.5 million people behind bars, it's the worst in the world. We have more prisoners, nonviolent prisoners. Uh, nobody will answer this question. How many people are in prison right now 
who have not been charged with a crime. How many people are sitting in a prison cell right now or a jail who have not been indicted and have not been charged? I can't get an answer for, for, to that question. How many of the 2.5 million Americans behind bars had a trial? What's the percentage? Because we all know you're punished if it, it, it's, it's let's make a deal. We'll give you a trial, but if you make us go through, if you, if you make us provide you with your constitutional right to a speedy trial, then we're going to sentence you forever if you're found guilty. If you're innocent, then you get to go home. But if you make us put you on trial and you're found guilty, Oh, boy, you are the rest of your life. Uh, OK, I'll make I'll play out. I'll play. I'm innocent, but I, I can't afford a good lawyer. I'll play out. Give me five years. What percentage of people behind bars in America had a trial? The worst criminal justice system in the world. In the world. Punitive. And we're not just punish. We don't punish criminals, we punish people of color, we punish poor people, and of course we put them to work, loophole in the 13th Amendment. The worst criminal justice system in the industrialized world. Write to me, prove otherwise, look at our prisons, look at our prisons. I'll be talking about that in a few minutes. So uh, America would be well advised to start making sure black women are overrepresented in our criminal justice system. Uh, because we know the reason we have the worst criminal justice system in the world, we know be, the reason for that is because our criminal justice system is controlled by fragile white men like Rudy Giuliani. See, Rudy Giuliani is a joke, but he is the legal profession. He's not the outlier. Rudy Giuliani is the legal profession. He is an angry, fragile, white male bully who has to drink first thing in the morning because he's fragile and thinks he's aggrieved by imaginary slights against his white privilege. Rudy Giuliani is a joke. So is our criminal justice system. A sad, sad joke. But Rudy Giuliani is not an outlier. He is our criminal justice system. He's a failure. And so is our criminal justice system. He's an angry, drunk bully. He, like most fragile white male Republicans, is of the belief, hit your kids before they go to bed. If you don't know what they did wrong, they will. That's how he ruled as mayor. Just hit them. Hit, hit poor people. Lock them up. Lock, by any means necessary, lock up poor people and people of color. If you don't know what they did wrong... They will. 
Meanwhile, Fulton County Sheriff's Office spokeswoman Natalie Ammons said on Wednesday that all 19 defendants will be booked inside the Fulton County Jail. I didn't think this was going to happen, but apparently so. I showed these pictures yesterday, and I'm going to show them again. I'm going to warn you, this is the American uh, criminal justice system. You might want to turn away. You've been warned. Okay. This is a jail cell inside Fulton County Jail where all 19 defendants will be booked. Right? This is where Rudy, Kenneth Cheesebro, Sidney Powell, Donald Trump, this is the jail cell. Well, they're not going to be sitting in this jail cell, but they'll, they'll be fingerprinted. There'll be some mug shots and then they'll be ushered out and arraigned. They won't. They're white. So they won't get to see this. This is a jail cell inside Fulton County Jail where inmate LaShawn Thompson, a homeless man, black, suffering from severe mental illness, black, was discovered dead, covered in lice and insects. Uh, You know, kind of like what's on the menu at the Doral Hotel uh, owned by Donald Trump in Miami. There is a severe bed bug infestation inside Fulton County. They just can't seem, for the life of them, they just can't seem to solve the bed bug problem, even though they don't have enough beds. You know, they have their inmates sleeping on the floor. So LaShawn Thompson, in September of last year, homeless, black, suffering from schizophrenia. Bad idea. If you're black, don't be a schizophrenic. Bad move. And don't be homeless. Bad choice. You know, we we all have freedom to make the right decisions. It's a bad choice for black people to be schizophrenic and homeless. Make make smarter choices. (sighs) LaShawn Thompson uh, 34 died from neglect, a schizophrenic in Fulton County Jail in Georgia. He was denied his medication. He was there for three months before he died. In those three months, he lost 30 pounds. And uh, his family was immediately awarded $4 million in a settlement. $4 million in the settlement. Think about that for a second. Four million dollars. Okay. As I said yesterday, evil people are stupid. Do you have any idea what four million dollars could actually do to improve the Fulton County Jail before LaShawn Thompson dies? Evil people are stupid. This is evil. This is evil, right? To, to allow a jail cell to get that way, to, to lock up a homeless schizophrenic, it's evil. And evil people are stupid. Rudy Giuliani is stupid. Uh, this is what nobody ever talks about. There is a price to be paid for this venality. Every time 
It's Giuliani time in New York City. Google Giuliani time. Every time it's Giuliani time and a New York cop beats up a person of color, a poor person or a protester. We just had a big settlement there. Every time a a trigger happy cop kills an unarmed black man, shoves a broom handle up his rectum, there is a civil suit and it ends up costing billions and billions of dollars. Evil poop, evil people are stupid, especially with money. You know, Rudy's broke. Donald Trump is broke. Evil people are stupid. New York City, you know, Mr. Mayor, Rudy Giuliani, New York City in the past decade has had to pay out billions because of police brutality. Last year, bad cops in New York City cost me and my fellow taxpayers close to $240 million in settlements in one year. The year before that, $208 million, right? So we're looking at anywhere between $200 to $300 million. Depends how hot the city gets, right? Uh, That's just New York City. Bad cops. New York City, bad cops. Bad jails. It costs taxpayers billions a year to have bad cops and bad jails, right? They say, well, you know, who's going to pay to improve Rikers Island? Evil people are stupid. These civil settlements cost more than hiring good cops and making our jails safe for the inmates, It's cheaper to make life livable for the citizens than to give bad cops and bad wardens free reign. It's cheaper, smarter to fire the sadists, to put them in prison, to put these cops in prison. It's cheaper to hire more social workers to assist in the jails and patrol our streets. It's cheaper, it's smarter, but evil people are stupid. And it ends up costing lives and money because evil people are stupid. Last Thursday, An inmate was found unresponsive inside the Fulton County, Georgia jail and pronounced dead on Friday. They found him unresponsive and he died the next day. No signs of violence. In other words, he wasn't killed by a fellow prisoner. He was killed by the prison. The 34-year-old man had been in that jail for nearly four years because he couldn't make bail and had yet to be tried. Hmm. Interesting. He'd been in that jail, this jail. He'd been in the Fulton County Jail for four years before he died. And he he had yet to be tried. He was just forced to live here uh, because he couldn't make bail. 
Isn't that interesting? Isn't that satanic? Isn't that satanic? As I mentioned earlier on yesterday's program, the ACLU says half of the inmates inside the Fulton County Jail in Georgia are unindicted. They're not just waiting for a trial. They're waiting to be charged. I'm habeas. What's what? Is that legal? What's going on here? The dead man is the second Fulton County inmate to die in the past two weeks. As I reported on yesterday's show, 60 Fulton County jail inmates died under mysterious circumstances between 2009 and October of 2022. Half of the inmates have not been indicted are charged. How is this possible? Well, I'm sure most of the 60 inmates who died under mysterious circumstances in that Fulton County jail, I'm sure they were upper middle class white men named Thad. So Trump will do everything he can to delay that trial in Georgia until after the election, because, you know, nobody's really certain uh, that a sitting president can face criminal charges in a state court. I was reading that today. Uh, We're not really certain whether or not you can try a sitting president in a state court. Now, we know that the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel... By the way, uh, let's see. Okay. I'm going to go a little longer, and this is going to be boring. So, um, so I'm just warning you. This is... I'm going to go over some stuff, and it's a little dry. It's as dry as... I won't do a Melania joke. Uh, okay, so uh, we are not absolutely certain whether or not a sitting president, if right, I'm catastrophizing here, and Donald Trump steals the 2024 presidential election. Uh, nobody's quite certain whether or not a sitting president can face criminal charges in a state court. We know the Justice Department, the federal government's Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel, wrote a memo in 1975 where they said it is now official policy for the Justice Department not to bring criminal charges against a sitting president. That's not a law. That's just policy. And that only applies to federal criminal charges. Again, I don't know if they've ever tested the idea of criminally charging a sitting president in a a state court. So Fawny Willis has to get Trump convicted before the election. That's why all those co-defendants are going to flip by March if she gets that trial date. She's got to get him on trial and convicted. Uh, before 
he becomes president. And then, as you know, he can't pardon himself in a state uh, court. Um, we're not even sure if he can pardon himself for a federal crime. That hasn't been tested. But uh, we know that he most definitely can't pardon himself for a state conviction. Also, we know that his pardon powers do not include civil lawsuits, federal civil lawsuits, like the one he just lost to E. Jean Carroll. That was in a federal court. If he somehow gets back into the Oval Office, he can't pardon that away. And there's a new defamation lawsuit that she filed, and that goes to trial later this year. Uh, here's what we do know about civil lawsuits. Okay, the the president of the United States, a sitting president, uh, the civil the civil suits are beyond the reach of a sitting president. He, he cannot issue a pardon and he is not immune to a federal or state civil trial while he's in the Oval Office. So even if Trump somehow makes it to the Oval Office Again, you can sue him in the civil courts. If you remember, Bill Clinton, when he was president, was ordered to testify in the Paula Jones sexual harassment lawsuit while he was president. And that testimony was turned into a sting operation. He was tricked into lying about Monica Lewinsky. It was, you know, I'm not a big fan of Bill Clinton it was real. Uh, Kenneth Starr, the special. What was he? The special. He was the independent counsel, right? They got rid of the independent counsel. Now they have to be special counsels. Uh, Kenneth Starr was evil. He really was. Uh, he was desperate to find anything on Clinton, and he couldn't. And then he heard about Monica Lewinsky and they kept it secret. And Clinton didn't know that Kenneth Starr knew about Monica Lewinsky. Kenneth Starr kept it secret. And Kenneth Starr knew that Bill Clinton was testifying in the sexual harassment civil suit that Paula Jones had filed. So he instructed the lawyers in the Paula Jones case, and they're all from that same Federalist Society, Jenna Ellis, uh, theological authoritarian think tank. Uh, so uh, Kenneth Starr knew the lawyers for Paula Jones. He says, hey, this is what we're going to do. Go ask the president when he test when he when you depose him. Uh, who Monica Lewinsky is. Does he know about Monica, who Monica Lewinsky is? And that was it. They did it. You might have seen the, the deposition. Uh, they caught him lying under oath about Monica Lewinsky in a sexual harassment lawsuit filed while Bill Clinton was president. They tricked him into lying about Monica Lewinsky. People always say, well, you know, everybody lies about sex. Yeah, they do. Even under oath. People kind of, well, you know, but he shouldn't have lied about Monica Lewinsky because 
He was under oath, and it was a civil lawsuit for sexual harassment, but it was also a sting operation. They got him. It was a honeypot, if you'll pardon the expression. Uh, so that's pretty much a rough idea of what we have to look forward to should the unimaginable happen and Donald Trump gets elected. But if he gets elected, will we still have courts? Will we? See, I don't know. The, the bikers haven't come out. I mean, the mob, his, his imbeciles have not come out. It's interesting. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reports that Trump's lawyers are actively trying to get this latest batch of indictments out of the hands of the Fulton County District Attorney and into the hands of a federal courtroom. Trump's attorneys are likely to claim that an obscure law known as the removal statute, the removal statute, protects federal office holders from being put on trial in state courts if the crime they are alleged to have committed took place while they were performing their official duties as a federal official. This is a law that was passed in 1789. That was George Washington's first year in office. They passed it for fear that Washington or his cabinet would be forced to travel hundreds of miles away to be prosecuted for crimes they committed in Washington. So Trump's attorneys will actively try to get the charges in Georgia federalized, which would also mean he'd have a way more sympathetic pool of jurors to pick from than what he will find in Fulton County, Georgia, where Biden beat Trump with more than 72 percent of the votes. <clears throat> Fulton County is overwhelmingly Democratic, and it is conceivable that if the the, the charges stick in, 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 the, in the state court, which I suspect they will. The judge will demand that they draw from a much larger pool of potential jurors that extends deep into the white suburbs. Some people named Thad, perhaps. Uh, Trump has yet to try to change the venue of the trial in Georgia, but he will. On Tuesday, his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who has been indicted on two counts in Georgia for violating Georgia's RICO laws, as well as soliciting the state's secretary of state to violate his oath of office by unlawfully reversing the 2020 election results. Mark Meadows, chief of staff, this oleaginous, slippery lizard, Mark Meadows has already filed a 14-page uh, brief with the federal district court for a change of venues. He wants it bumped up to a federal trial, claiming the alleged crimes were committed while he was performing his duties as a federal officer. And theoretically, Jeffrey Clark, an environmental lawyer in the Department of Justice, I've talked about him incessantly, he has been indicted for the role he played in making false statements about voter fraud. This is a Justice Department official. This is He's no longer with the Justice Department, but he's being indicted for 
what he did as a Justice Department official, it's likely he could end up asking for a change of venue, insisting that he, too, was a federal official when these alleged crimes were committed. I don't think Jeffrey, I, I think they dropped the charges, unfortunately, against uh, Jeffrey Clark in Georgia. Uh, their arguments won't hold. Uh, they won't hold for Trump. They won't hold for Meadows. Maybe for Clark. Maybe for Clark. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Clark uh, worked in the Justice Department filing legal briefs that involved environmental laws. He played absolutely no role in the Justice Department's Election Integrity Office. He decided to freelance to get involved political in political in Trump's political efforts. That was a side hustle for Jeffrey Clark. He wanted to feel important. So trying to convince Georgia election officials of non-existent voter fraud, as Jeffrey Clark was trying, that was not his job description. He was supposed to be an environmental uh, attorney inside the Justice Department. Nobody hired Jeffrey Clark to steal an election. So it, it's going to be hard for them to say, bump this up to a, a federal court. We were doing our we were federal officials doing our job when we allegedly committed our crimes. Well, your federal job was not to try to steal an election, right? Uh, and Jeffrey Clark was told by his boss, attorney, acting attorney general, Jeffrey Rosen, his boss warned Clark to stay out of the Oval Office. Uh, you're not allowed to meet with Donald Trump inside the Oval Office. You work for the Justice Department. I'm the acting attorney general. Don't meet with Donald Trump in the Oval Office. You're not allowed to communicate with Trump or anyone in the Oval Office. There are very strict rules in the Department of Justice regulating who and who can't meet with the President of the United States. There has to be a wall between the Oval Office and the Justice Department. Only the Attorney General and his immediate deputies are allowed to have contact with the White House that guarantees the independence of the Justice Department. So Jeffrey Clark, his meetings with Trump violated official Justice Department policy. And he was ordered, knock it off, and he, he wouldn't stop. So for him to claim I was that I should be tried in a federal court because I was working as a federal official when I was promoting phony claims of voter fraud, he wasn't doing his job as a federal official. He was told to knock it off. The work Clark did in Georgia had nothing to do with being an employee of the Justice Department. I told you it was going to be boring. I'm working out some issues. These are I'm working out anger issues right now. So this is uh, I, I so this is just stuff that enrages me and I'm working it out.
so I don't put my fist through a wall. Uh, the same applies to Mark Meadows. He can't get a venue change. He doesn't qualify for a venue change because the crimes he committed in Georgia were done under the color of the federal government. His lawyers, however, insisted on Tuesday that Mark Meadows was performing his duties as White House chief of staff when all these crimes were said to have occurred. Therefore, the trial venue should be switched to a federal a federal courtroom. Mark Meadows, chief of staff, was charged with two counts, violation of George's RICO Act and solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. The phone call to Brad Rathsenberger, whatever you pronounce that clown's name. Uh, his attorney, uh, Mark Meadows' attorneys, in their court filing on Tuesday, said that all those alleged crimes were committed while Meadows was performing his duties as White House chief of staff. For example, the lawyers say Meadows' job is to arrange Oval Office meetings. Well, that's true, unless they're political in nature. Meadows arranged countless meetings after the presidential election. He arranged meetings in the Oval Office with lawyers who were attempting to overturn the election results. That's not what a chief of staff does. That's criminal and it's political. He was bringing Republican officials from Pennsylvania and Michigan into the Oval Office after the presidential election. He was bringing Republican officials from the state legislatures of Pennsylvania and Michigan into the Oval Office so Donald Trump could bully them uh, convince them of voter fraud in their states. And he ordered them to convene special sessions in their individual legislatures and award their electoral votes to him, not Biden. That That's what uh, Mark Meadows has been indicted for, for arranging those meetings. Donald Trump has been indicted for holding those meetings, lying to state legislators about voter fraud, conspiring to convince them to commit forgery by sending false electors to Washington, D.C. That's that you can't bump yourself to a federal courtroom because you were doing your job as chief of staff. That's not part of your job title. That's you freelancing. Uh, and of course, the infamous phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State. Mark Meadows says it is the job of a chief of staff to arrange phone calls with state officials. Uh, yeah, but not to try to get those state officials to switch the election results. Uh, that has nothing to do with being the White House chief of staff. You're, you're not serving as a White House chief of staff. You're serving as an obsequious, servile and submissive Trump toady. That's the job description, Mark Meadows. What people forget, if you listen to that call to Brad Rafsensperger, 
Meadows was in on that call and he couldn't keep his mouth shut. And he lied on that call and said there was overwhelming evidence of voter fraud in Georgia. As chief of staff, Mark Meadows told the secretary of state of Georgia that there is overwhelming evidence of voter fraud. The purpose of that call was strictly political, had nothing to do with the job of White House chief of staff. It was about overturning an election. No sound judge would rule in favor of Mark Meadows' motion to change venues. Uh, okay. I'm done. I got to talk about other things. I got to talk about Hawaii. There's a lot of stuff I got to talk about. Uh, I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. 